And a warm welcome to Monday's programme. How are you this Monday? Have you had a nice weekend? You have? Don't bitch to me. Not the place to be doing that. Uh, two really good guests joining me today on Monday's programme. You can join in, of course, by messaging me on the website richieallen.co.uk. I look forward to hearing from you today. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. Yes, it's been an interesting couple of days, but all is well as BBG Towers technically. Thanks be to God himself. I've got an interesting program. Going to be talking about the death, the murder of the Conservative Party MP, Sir David Amos. And believe it or not, I'll be joined to discuss that by none other than Anjam Chowdhury. Yes, I did say Anjam Chowdhury. Now, if you've been around this program long enough, you'll know that I used to regularly speak with Anjam Chowdhury, the social activist and Islamist. He's in the news today. I reached out to him and invited him back on the program. He'll be with me this hour. And later on, we'll be off to Nashville to speak to the country singing sensation, Blind Joe. A brilliant guy is Joe. He's got an anti-lockdown track out at the moment. It's a great tune. We'll be playing that and we'll be chatting then with none other than Joe himself. That's Monday's programme. And as I did mention already, please message me through my website, richieallen.co.uk, where it says, Comment Live. That's it. That's it. Yeah, it's been a great old day here. Big shout again to my roving engineer, my, my engineer at large, the great Paul Ripley. Good evening, Paul. And thanks again again and again for your help today and last night he was here last night as well was the Ripperman getting this programme back on its feet so thanks to Paul thanks to Paul how was your weekend I, I asked because I, I mean I'm genuinely interested do let me know do let me know let me read this from the sun briefly it's the reason I invited Anjam Chowdhury back on the programme suspected MP killer Ali Harbi Ali was radicalised after watching YouTube videos of hate preacher Anjam Chowdhury, former friends claimed last night. As a first photo of the alleged knifeman emerged, school pals said vile online material turned him from a popular pupil into an extremist. One friend who witnessed his dramatic change told the son last night Chowdhury was someone he became utterly obsessed with. Despite his radicalisation, relatives claimed he had trained to become an NHS doctor after spending four years at a top medical school. They said they're confident, investigators, that Ali, who's 25, wasn't directed by terror kingpins abroad. Yes, that's the language of the Sun newspaper. As I said, we'll get into this with Anjam Chowdhury on the programme shortly. Now, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, led the tributes to Sir David Amos in the Commons this afternoon. You might have seen it. And he also announced that the town of Southend-on-Sea will become a city because David Amos campaigned relentlessly, apparently, for recognition for Southend-on-Sea, for it to become a city. 
there was a minute's silence for David Amos today. He was stabbed in his constituency on Friday. There has been, understandably, I think, blanket coverage of this ever since. His family visited the church where he was murdered to see the tributes left to him. And numerous MPs have gone public. Now, I want to focus on this for a few minutes. And this is where your own opinions are interesting to me. Numerous MPs have said that they often receive threats and abuse in person through letters, but also online. So what happened on Friday then is dreadful. It's truly dreadful. There isn't anything else to be said about it. It's dreadful. But today, politicians broadcasters, actors, actresses, models, sports people, anybody who's ever been in the public eye has gone on TV and radio to take the opportunity to say that there's too much hate in society and that it tends to come to a head and it boils, comes to the boil on social media. So you have politicians saying things are toxic. Everything is hate, hate this, hate that, hate, hate, abuse, abuse, abuse. We have to stop it, they say. And many of them, many of the male MPs, members of parliament, speaking about their concern for female MPs, who they believe get it far worse than the men. So the online harms bill has been mentioned today. Again, now this is interesting, right? This has been around now, this idea, this online online harms bill. It's been around for about two and a half years. It hasn't yet been voted on. It's out to consultation at the moment. There's a white paper. It will eventually come before the House of Commons. And it's all about apparently covering the range of content to which children are exposed online. Children, but they're broadening it out. Not just children, but everybody else. Grooming, revenge porn, hate speech, images of child abuse, posts about suicide and eating disorders. We need to protect the kiddies. But it goes much further because it's about posting terrorism content, disinformation, which is what it's really all about. Disinformation, racist abuse, and pornography. So you have you have had we've had a day today of members of parliament but also public figures saying that something must be done to stop the abuse that we're getting just for doing our jobs. We shouldn't have to go online and read vile comments about ourselves, hateful comments and sometimes death threats to ourselves. That's what they're saying. But I have a problem with this. These people, collectively, are overseeing the transition from constitutional monarchy, which isn't great. The UK is not a democratic nation or a collection of democratic nations. It isn't. It's a constitutional monarchy. Boris Johnson announced in the Commons this afternoon that because Sir David Amos was such a champion of South End on Sea becoming a city, that the Queen had given the nod for South End to achieve or to be given city status. You need to think about that. You need to think about your MPs when, when elected, going to Parliament and only being allowed inside the chamber, let alone making a speech or casting a vote, so long as they swear total allegiance to Queen Elizabeth II and all her heirs. 
The UK has never been a democracy. There is an illusion of democracy in this country, but it isn't a democracy. So these people are overseeing the transition from constitutional monarchy to a totalitarian state. That is what's happening in front of our eyes. That isn't conjecture and it's not melodrama. They're overseeing the transition from constitutional monarchy, which is bad enough, but we put up with it up to a point because largely we were left alone, but we knew, didn't we, some of us, because we've been talking about these things for years, we knew that we wouldn't be left alone for too much longer. We put up with it, but now they're moving it to totalitarianism, where everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go, how you go there, what you think, when you think it, will be monitored and controlled with real-world consequences for dissidents, those who dare to criticise it. They're not trying to eliminate hate here. Hate speech, it's one of those wonderful newspeak terms, isn't it? The Ministry of Truth, I've written about this, I've talked about it till I'm blue in the face. Hate speech doesn't mean anything. They're not trying to eliminate hate here. It's dissent they want rid of. It's criticism they want rid of. Criticism of what, Richie? Well, of anything. Criticism of their wars, of their proxy wars, of their extrajudicial executions around the world using drones, murdering people, driving around in the desert, and then telling us, without offering any proof, that this guy was a terrorist and he meant to do the UK harm. They don't want criticism of that. Extrajudicial murder. Sponsoring lunatics like ISIS and Boko Haram. Properly sponsoring them with arms and training and know-how and knowledge. Sending weapons of unimaginable evil to the Saudis to use in Yemen. Locking up healthy people and calling it a quarantine. Putting a nation under house arrest and calling it quarantine, locking up the healthy to prevent the infirm becoming unwell, wrecking people's livelihoods, ruining the future of the nation's children, medication by coercion, medication by coercion, forcing people to take dangerous medicines just to be given the privilege of earning a living, climate lies, monstrous lies. These are the things they want to remove the criticism of. Any dissent, any criticism, and this is the beginning of it now. Taking advantage of what happened to David Amos on Friday, gleefully taking advantage of it. It's got to be stopped. This toxic atmosphere, something needs to be done. We're just doing our jobs. No, you're not. You're not. You are facilitating far more powerful people than you acting as their puppets to usher in a dystopian society, stuff that was previously the fantasies of people like, I don't know too many great science fiction writers, let's just say Philip K. Dick, let's, let's say Orwell. That's what you're doing, so you're not innocent. It doesn't mean that people should be saying that you ought to die or you ought to be raped. Of course they shouldn't. But there are laws against that stuff that have been around forever. Don't need to introduce new laws. We don't need to remove anonymity from the internet, which is what they're proposing today. 
Let's make it so that there is no more online anonymity. None. Let's get bodyguards for politicians. Let's remove toxic language. All of this being proposed in the wake of the murder of David Amos. Of course, by ending online anonymity, you end private conversations online effectively. Your right to have a private conversation and offer an opinion in privacy, in confidence of somebody, removed. Don't use words like traitors, as they said today, dear listener. Don't use words like traitors. It's not good enough. It stirs up hate, they said. And some of them calling for this today openly defied the will of the people at the conclusion of the 2016 EU referendum. Openly. They did all they could to subvert the democratic result and they made no bones about it. If that isn't treachery, what is it? You've got a Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, saying she'd received vile abuse over the years, called all sorts of names, including traitor. But, but she is a traitor. When she was International Development Secretary, she went on a holiday to another state. That state happened to be Israel. It doesn't matter which state it is. Never told the Foreign Office. Never told the Foreign Office. A Cabinet Secretary had meetings with the Israeli government. Never told the Foreign Office. Never told the Prime Minister. I I didn't say traitor at the time to incite any sort of verbal attack on Priti Patel or anybody else. It's just the truth. If it looks like a horse, if it whinnies like a horse, well, it must be a horse, right? It's treachery. Treachery. They're overseeing the creation of a truly dystopian society. Many of them know this. And they know now that people are starting to cotton on to it. What do we do now? People are starting to cotton on to what's happening to their world. Right. We get our retaliation enforced. This is where we begin to shut down dissent. The final takeover of the internet. The banning of everyday words. Dreadful stuff. Listen to the Welsh Labour MP Chris Bryant in conversation this morning with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Bryant thinks the media, amazingly, is partly to blame for the atmosphere around political and cultural debates. You will hear Chris Bryant first. Um, I'm sorry to say this, Julia, but I think that sometimes the media, including talk radio, does stoke some of the kind of culture wars. Do we? And culture Aren't we just wars... reporting on them? No, you're not. Dan Wooten, Dan Wooten I'm afraid. It was well, on Dan... the back of Dan Wooten's well... stuff that, it, that, he, that um, anti-vaxxers came to my office and started attacking it. So I, I think the media has a role to play in this. You can't have. But hold on, hold on a minute. But I mean, but that. Why was traitors? Why was traitors all over my office? um, Well, well, why have I been? Because newspapers, newspapers printed front page headlines calling us traitors and calling people enemies of the people. Well, I, I didn't. That was the. That was well. That was the Daily Mail. You've got to dial it down, said Chris Bryant. But Julia refused for some reason to say to Bryant. But you and some of your colleagues did everything you could to subvert the result of the democratic EU in-out referendum. Can you tell me, Chris Bryant, can you share with me an appropriate term for a politician who sticks two fingers up 
to 16.3 or 17.4, I can't remember, million people who voted to leave the European Union. What would you have them call you, Chris? But she doesn't do that, strangely. You personally have to dial it down. Chris, Chris, I'm, you know, yes. I'm absolutely, I've you know, known you for many years. Um, I don't have to dial anything down because I'm not responsible for any of those actions whatsoever. Well, I think every time we spit poison in one another's face, when have I every time we have add I another poisonous poison? line to politics, we make the situation worse, but, but, not but, better. But the vast majority of the media isn't doing that. The vast majority of people don't do that. The vast majority of MPs don't do that. It's a minority that do that. We need to call those people out, all those organs out. Now, I didn't particularly like, refer to that male headline. I didn't like that male front page. I thought that was misjudged. But that's not responsible misjudged. for someone. Yes. Yes, but there were lots. I, th I think undermining a democratic again, again, vote again, for Brexit was also and misjudged. And the Telegraph as well. And yeah. the Telegraph. They, you know, they, they ran um, sort of attack front pages on all the people who voted a different way on Brexit. Yeah. Um, but but then know, can you, I point you, you, out that Brexiteers like me were called racists and bigots and ignoramuses and stupid and nasty people. And we had that for five years. I've never called anybody. No, a you haven't. That's my point. I've not. Again, I've not engaged in that abuse. The worst I use is Ramona, which I don't think is a term of abuse. It's a descriptive term. But, it's meant but, to be a term of abuse. It's not meant to be a term of abuse. Term, it's yeah. a mock. It's a Imagine term. that you've got a politician complaining about the use of the word Ramona. You've got a politician who earns at least a hundred thousand pounds a year. A politician now, who who takes decisions that impact people's lives, basically saying that he's not accepting the journalists, the newspaper columnists have the right to criticise him in the manner they choose. This is astonishing stuff now. It really is for a journalist like me to be listening to this. And to hear another journalist refuse to put this dog down. Put him down. How dare you? Nobody criticised you because you voted to stay in the European Union. You had every right to do that. You and your pals were criticised afterwards for doing everything you could to prevent it happening. Despite the fact people voted for it. These are, these are interesting times now. He's moaning about Dan Wooten who wrote for The Sun. He's got a gig with GB News now. Wooten has been very critical of people like Chris Bryant over the years. Come to mock, which I think mockery is allowed in a democracy and free speech. I think the key point is that there are a minority of people who do... It's part of a culture war, and every culture war is not really interested in the subject. It's, it's a cynical version of doing... Uh, That's gaslighting now. Every culture war, he meant every culture warrior, isn't really interested in the subject, but we are interested in the subjects, otherwise we wouldn't opine on those subjects. That's classic gaslighting. Culture warriors are not really interested in the subject. So when, when we have genuine concerns about how primary schools want to change how children are taught and want to introduce concepts to children about sexuality at an age when those children shouldn't be considering any such notions, this guy says we're not really interested in that. It's just a hateful culture war that I'm genuinely not concerned about the shit they're sticking in children's heads in primary schools. I just want to piss people off. That's what he's saying there, Bryant. Journalism. And, it, and it, all I'd say to anybody who thinks um, 
let's fight another culture war is lay down your But weapons. people on my side don't want to fight. We, we, we would like there not to be a culture war. I mean, I think it's extraordinary that, that you've got people, you know, the, the idea that the, the media is responsible for any of this when you've got uh, you're the late deputy leader of the Labour Party referring to people who have the opposite political views of them as scum. Yeah, and I'm, I don't support that either. And I've said so. But I mean, I, know, I, I don't know anyone in the media who's used language like that. Oh, uh, yes. Really? You, you I don't. Read the I Daily can't. Mail nearly every day of the week. They and the Sun they... and Dan Wooten's col columns about me personally. Oh, Your I mean, colleague. Well, 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 he's not my colleague. He works on GB News, actually. But um, but he used to be here on Talk Radio. But um, yeah, well, I'm only responsible for what I do and, what, and, and, and their responsibility also for stuff that happens in the station. And I, I don't believe that is the case. But look, again, we can have a, you know, we can have a courteous and respectful debate about this. Dangerous stuff, isn't it? Isn't it? This idea has come now. It's time has come. You don't like something. You don't like to hear something. You don't like the way somebody frames their argument or challenges what you are and who you are, well then you work you work to basically remove. You work to to introduce legislation so that so that they can't criticize you. They can't speak freely about the things that you do and express why they don't like the things you do and why they don't like you personally. That's what Bryant is advocating. And it's being advocated today, time and time again, on radio station and television station across the country. And you know what happens when you do that, ultimately? Think Demolition Man, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, Sly Stallone, think that. Where you have people basically going about like Stepford Wives. You know, they want to turn human beings, the ones left after the cull, by the way, the ones left after the cull, they want to turn them into Stepford people. Think of those very meek, very submissive Chinese people. Now, I'm not saying that all Chinese people are meek and submissive. I know they're not, but many are terrified to offend or to put somebody's nose out of joint. You know, don't complain. You know, it might get worse. Don't complain. That's what they want us to become. And they're using what happened to David Amos today to further that agenda. It's startling. And it's just a little bit scary, you know, I would have said. I'm at Richie Allen, by the way. How are you? Nice to be with you this Monday. Off to London in a few minutes' time. Anjam Chowdhury will be with me live. You don't want to miss him. And then Blind Joe later on. Music from Republica and ready to go on the Richie Allen radio show, 25 minutes past five, this Monday, uh, the 18th of October, 2021. Good to be with you. Let me just um, read you the first couple of paragraphs of that Sun story today before we introduce, before I introduce my, my guest at this hour. Suspected MP killer Ali Harvey Ali was radicalised after watching YouTube videos of hate preacher Anjam Chowdhury, former friends claimed last night. One friend who witnessed his dramatic change told The Sun last night Chowdhury was someone he became utterly obsessed with. Now, before I welcome back um, Anjam, let me just uh, 
for those of you who, who know, you may not know, uh, I used to speak with Anjan for many years on a commercial radio station in Spain and also on this program, but not for some time because Anjan spent a couple of years in prison between 2016 and 2018. Let's just welcome him back to the program. Anjam, welcome back. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Richie. And it's good to be back on your programme. It's been ages. It's been a long time. Well, well thanks for your time. What, what do you, how do you respond to that? The friends of Ali Harbi Ali say that his radicalisation was due in no small part uh, to videos that you made many years ago. How do you respond? Well, by all accounts, um, Ali uh, Harbi Ali is now 25 years old. And uh, if his school friends say that he was radicalized, then we're talking a good eight to 10 years ago, because let's face it, you leave school by the time you're about 18, even if you stay for your A-levels. So, you know, this is many, many years ago. Now, in terms of uh, material, you know, I have been very prolific in terms of speaking and lecturing and doing debates, as you know. But uh, a lot of that material, in fact, the vast majority of it has been taken down, uh, especially post-2015 after I was charged. And, uh, you know, I don't have uh, um, any Twitter accounts or Facebook or Instagram. And when I do try to um, get those, uh, they're very swiftly taken down as well. So, you know, we're talking about something many, many years ago. And I think it's a very uh, loose link uh, for someone who may have watched something on uh, YouTube eight to ten years ago. And then he may have done something now and then to say, well, that was because of what he watched, you know, so many years ago. And I mean, YouTube have very strict policies as well about what they're allowed to be aired. So, you know, I find, I find it very, um, very uh, strange that this link can be made. Do you regret some of the things you said in some of those videos many years ago about, you know, Muslim flag flying over Downing Street in 2020, the caliphate and all of that? Do, do, do you look, do you reflect on any of that and think that you were in any way wrong to say those things? Well, you know, in the context in which I said any of those things, they were based upon a very firm understanding of the Qur'an and the Sunnah, the sayings and actions of the Messenger Muhammad, uh, sallallahu alayhi wa And, you know, I don't regret anything that I said which is based upon Islamic teachings. You know, that they all had context. When I talked about the Islamic flag, it was symbolic uh, from the uh, narration of the Prophet that one day the whole world will be governed by the Muslims and under the Sharia. So I believe that. And as an example, I said, even in England, this will happen. And that's a good thing because Islam is justice and it's a beautiful religion and a beautiful ideology and we can live together peacefully under divine law. We'll come back to that in a minute. Before we come back to that, speaking of regrets, supporting by, by the things you said, not necessarily by the things you did, but giving vocal support to the Islamic State and other groups like that. Do you regret that? Well, you know, the whole issue of my conviction for supporting ISIS is as well something which is very challenging and, and challengeable. And it went to the Supreme Court, in fact, the interpretation of Section 12, uh, for, because it was so vague. You know, I mean, for your, for your listeners, it was a, a verdict that I gave on what was the situation in late June, early July 2014. And it was a mere, a, a mere opinion. And I made many uh, caveats to say it's my personal opinion. People should make up their own mind. And yet, um, you know, the, the, the authorities in this country saw that as actually providing support, which, you know, I mean, is a very tenuous link in itself. But once you reach the jury in this country with all of the uh, media propaganda and uh, the other things that surround 
my own profile, it's very unlikely that someone like me is going to be found not guilty. And not just that, I mean, there were very complex juristic issues which were presented to people who know nothing about Islam. I mean, some of these things would be very difficult for Muslims to understand, let alone juries. You know, and, and, and as and as a qualified lawyer, you know, uh, as you may know, I qualify yeah, yeah. in this country. I no longer practice, but um, yeah. you know, and there is a whole debate about complex cases, you know, complex tax tax cases and other cases uh, about their suitability for the jury system. Not that I believe in the jury system, as you know, I believe in a Sharia law. But even if you do believe in it, you can't expect ordinary people from the street to to understand these type of cases. But ultimately, and we had these conversations before you went to prison, ultimately you, you, you were on the side of what it was that the Islamic State group was trying to do. I'm not saying for a minute that you were trying to elicit material support for them, but, but morally you, you, you favoured what it was that was going on in Syria and elsewhere. It's fair to say that. That's fair to categorise what you said at the I time. I don't, I, don't, I don't think that's accurate because, you know, when you make an assessment about a system, a regime, so for example, if you were to talk about China, it's a communist regime. It doesn't mean that you necessarily agree with everything that the leaders in China are doing or the army or individuals. So those things can be separated. It was an assessment about the nature of the, of the regime, whether or not it's a communist one or a capitalist one or indeed an Islamic one. What individuals may have done, you know, parts of the army or other factions, you know, I never commented on that. And for, for well, why didn't you? Hang on a second. Why didn't, why didn't you comment on that? At the time, because, at because, the time, hang on, Anjum, at the time, people associated with this group were uploading some of the most heinous things online that anybody could ever see. I, I wish I could unsee some of the things I saw. Staged executions of people. Horrific stuff. I'm not even going to mention it now because it's tea time here in the UK. How could you in any way feel that you could feel some support for, for an ideology like that, regardless of whether you're a Muslim or not? And, and of course, you'd be in the minority. The, the great majority of Muslims around the world, as far as I could tell, were absolutely sickened by what was going on in Syria and what this so-called Islamic State group were doing. I can't understand why a guy who was brought up in the UK, a guy who went to uni, a guy who liked to drink every now and then, how could you in any way support that? Well, first of all, you shouldn't believe everything you read in the papers about me. Oh, but I spoke but, to you at the time, I remember. Talking, you, talking, you wouldn't, you wouldn't condemn it. Talking, talking specifically about your question. You know, I think I must be in one of the minority uh, groups where I don't base my decisions and I don't base my uh, opinions upon what I see on the Internet and on uh, on YouTube and what, you know, what the newspapers uh, portray. And as you know, throughout this whole period from 2014 until even today, the portrayal of Muslims and their actions in the Muslim world is very different uh, the way that we receive it here and the way that it's portrayed over there, and whether or not it can even be attributed very often to what Muslims are actually doing. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to get into the, uh, the details of, uh, of the information that I had at the time, but it was very different from, from what you were consuming, uh, uh, you know, in, in Britain. And for these reasons, and because a lot of these things cannot be verified, and you cannot get all sides of the story because of the censorship and because of the banning of a lot of, uh, a lot of channels coming from that region, from the Muslims themselves, it makes commentary 
uh, on certain uh, specific incidents very difficult. Well, hang on, let me pick to, you up you on that. Base it on pure verification. Let me pick you up on that. You see, that's not right. I spoke to a number of independent journalists in the region regularly at the time, and these people, it's fair to say, could be categorised as pro-Muslim. They were certainly pro the Assad government. They were pro the Gaddafi government. Governments which were, well, Assad, Assad endures to this day, thank heavens for that, but, but Gaddafi is gone. Nobody ever said, certainly not me or anybody on this programme, believed that the things happening in Syria, the, the atrocities carried out by this Wahhabist group of, of head-chopping lunatics, in any way reflected Muslim people, the vast majority of people around the world who are Muslims, of course, are appalled and sickened and disgusted by this. But these were Wahhabists that were trained in Syria, materials supplied, supplied to them by the US governments, the UK government, the Israeli government and the French government. You know, we're not stupid here. They, they, this, this group exists. This Islamic State group exists. And the atrocities that were going on in Syria and elsewhere were documented by the group themselves and put online. And you should condemn that. Not because you're a Muslim. And I wouldn't tell you what you have to say and what you shouldn't uh, say, because I believe in ultimate free speech. But you, you, you shouldn't say, I don't feel that any genuine Muslim could, could offer any support whatsoever to a group of lunatics like that. Well, I mean, if you've quite finished... Uh, I am. You, the, the floor is yours. Go on. I, 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 you know, you should obviously listen to the answer because uh, the people that you've talked about here, the journalists, when you say they're pro-Gaddafi and pro-Assad and pro, you know, whatever other regime... Muslims, the last time I looked. Are, all of these regimes are the most heinous and tyrannical regimes that we've seen in our lifetimes. They, they, they butchered and slaughtered more people than, you know, anybody else in the UK to imagine, apart from... You sound like CNN, policy. But the point, the point is that those very journalists are the ones who propagate the lies and, the, and who, who continue the tyrants in their, in their places. They wouldn't be allowed to report from those areas unless they were paid up and, uh, and doing the, the, if you like, the, the job of the very regimes there in, in promoting their propaganda. The reality is... That, that many innocent men, women, and children have been slaughtered in Syria, in Iraq, in Afghanistan, not because of, of people who wanted to implement the Sharia, whatever you may have thought about their state, but this has been going on for the last two decades. The Americans have admitted it. You know, it, it, you know the thing is that there is, there is a revival taking place around the world. People want the Sharia. You can see it in Afghanistan. You can see it in many parts of the world. And the thing is, you see, it is, it is important for us as Muslims in particular that we get first-hand information, not from journalists, not from people who are, are supporting regimes, not from YouTube and other companies which are controlled by the British or the American uh, you know, regime and the authorities, but first-hand from their Muslim brothers and sisters. And, you know, this is what I always believe, and I base my decisions on that. Therefore, I don't believe, you know, the same sources. I don't follow the sources that you say. And, you know, all the rhetoric and pejorative that you use about lunatics and this kind of thing, you know, we've heard it all before. We've heard it for people who just called for the Sharia. The, the, the tabloids in this country, the Mail and the Sun, use this kind of terminology continuously for people like Sheikh Abu Hamza, Sheikh Abu Bakri Muhammad, Sheikh Faisal Abu Qatada, myself, you know, for what? Because we call for Islam, we call for the Sharia, we invite non-Muslims to Islam. You know, and, the, and some of these people are being tortured now. Sheikh Abu Hamza in America, you know, he's being treated horrendously. Even, you know, even, you know, the British are colluding with the Lebanese. Uh, so what they're doing with Sheikh Mubaki Muhammad in, in Lebanon. So these kind of crimes, you see, are not reported. 
and a lot of the oppression is not reported. What you what you get, Richie, is what you want to hear, unfortunately, and you don't get the other side. And that's what I'm saying is, but you're in, here in now. Interview, but I do get the other side with you on the radio. It's hard to portray all of the other aspects. One day we can meet together and we can we can share notes. But the point is that you have to appreciate there is always another narrative, not the narrative that you know that has been peddled for the last few years. I don't take. Um, I don't. My my opinions are not derived from anything I want to hear, and there's certainly not, I don't go cherry picking information to, to 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 fit a narrative that I'm invested in. I don't do that. The United States of America, the UK, French, and Israeli governments want rid of Bashar al-Assad. You you actually find yourself on the same side as the Americans who have put an embargo on you, haven't they? They've sanctioned you so that no American can ever do business with you because they've labelled you as a terrorist. These are the people that want to get rid of Bashar al-Assad, a man who in 2009, the United Nations, not that it should mean too much, but the United Nations said, this guy's doing a fantastic job there in transitioning the country to something else politically. He's meeting all of his millennial goals. You actually find yourself in bed, Anjam, with nation-states that despise you and want to get rid of you, want to disappear you out of the public debate, the same nations who provide material support for Wahhabist groups like ISIS to go and destroy Syria. Now, nobody told me to think that. I've got a pair of eyes. That's what's happened in Syria. Go ahead. Okay, well, well, let me me make a couple of points there. First of all, uh, Mohammed bin Abdul Wahhab, was a great man and a great uh, uh, Muslim and a jurist. And, you know, his name should not be tainted. You know, people, people, people uh, use all kinds of uh, labels to label great, uh, uh, you know, figures in Islamic history. And the thing is, you can't blame him for anything that people may do nowadays because he, he you know, he just talked about Islam purely from the sources. But the other thing, of course, is that you know, uh, you know, it's a well-known fact that Hamid Assad and his father were butchers. The fact that the Americans may think the same thing, or they may, or, or, or they may not, does not mean that you know I can't be on that page in condemning him. But the difference between me and the Americans is the Americans have their own interests, their economic interests, their strategic interests, their ideological interests that they want to establish in that region. You know, this is the kind of, you know, this kind of a neo uh, kind of fascism that we see from the American regime. Been, this has been going on since the end of the Second World War, yeah. you know, to control the resources in, in the Muslim world. You know, the fact that we may agree about uh, removing certain dictators doesn't mean that I accept the ideology. We believe in an alternative. Uh, to the Americans, we don't believe in the in the in the in the world view. So I think that you know you can you can agree that there are dictators and there are despots in the world which who need to be removed. But we obviously differ about the solution. I believe in Islam. I believe in a Khilafah system. I believe in divine law. Certainly, that's not the kind of uh, page that you're going to find people like Biden and Trump on, are you? No, but but the problem is, you see, it's you've painted a very black and white picture of the picture of the Assads. Yes. Um, what you said about Assad's father, I can buy that. But Bashar himself, no, because all the evidence is to the contrary. This is the reluctant president, the ophthalmologist, who came back to the country because his brother was killed. And he um, ended up being put into a job that he didn't really want. I, I don't want to get too much into this because there are other things I'd like to, to talk about before we run out of time. Um, like I said, the United Nations, everybody was happy with Bashar al-Assad and what was happening in Syria in 2009. Everybody, the Americans, the Brits, the Israelis, all of a sudden then we're told of an uprising. Then all of a sudden no, we see guys... People, 
not the people which not the people which who are being tortured in prison in Syria. But who told you not that? The, that's the, the, CNN talking, being, that's CNN talking, That's CNN talking. That's Sky News talking. No, no, no. This, it is, is. this is the reality. That's what I'm saying, which, you know, you have your own world perspective based upon the information, undoubtedly, that you receive. But I can Snap. tell you firsthand that more, more Islamic scholars and more ordinary Muslims and more, more, you know, Sunni Muslims in particular were targeted by Hafez Assad and his father, you know, than, than many of the other uh, dictators in the Muslim world. I mean, he, was, he is as bad uh, and, and as nasty and gay Sunni Muslims in particular, and uh, and the people who who call for an alternative to his dictatorship, as indeed the Iranian regime or, or, or Saddam Hussein or any of these other dictators. So you know you may you may not hear of the vo- hear of the voices because many of them being killed, many of them being slaughtered and, and imprisoned. That's why you don't hear an opposition to Hafez Assad. I mean, these people have elections where they get 100% of the votes because because you know there's only one candidate. Everybody else is just silence. So, We're not going you know, to agree I, I on any take, of this. I wouldn't take those. I wouldn't take those. Uh, those uh, you know, kind of opinion polls and. Uh, no, but a lot of it choice. has to do. A lot of it has to do with his Alawite beliefs, of course, and the fact that maybe Alawites make up. I don't know what is it, ten percent, twelve percent of of the population of Syria. But let's leave that there. Let's agree to disagree on that. You neatly skipped over my claim that the Islamic State that you had some, and I'm not. I've never accused you of sympathising with those who filmed guys being drowned in swimming pools and butchered in, 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 in butcher factories. I never accused you of that, but you supported them in some way. But, you, but you, you, you kind of skipped over the fact that here's a group that were created by the Saudis, the United States intelligence agencies, Israel and the UK. That's who they are, ISIS, effectively. They're a proxy yeah, army for the US government. You know this. It seems... It seems to me you, you you fully signed up to all of the conspiracy theories. Oh, you give know, me a your, break your now with conspiracy theories. For me to refute all of these. But it's I a mean, fact. You know, the, the thing is, look, I can say that those views, you know, are complete and utter nonsense and rubbish. But but I would say another thing. I, I think, look, this is more important for your listeners. The truth is never known by individuals and groups and organizations. The truth is known by the divine evidence. So I judge according to the divine evidence of what I can verify firsthand and from trustworthy sources. So to, to, get, to give a kind of a, a kind of a bland, wide-ranging statement like that is very difficult to comment on. I can on prove it, though. There's so many, but I can there's prove so many components it. of it. But what, what, what we can agree on, Richie, is that, you know, if, if anybody wants to know what the truth is, the truth is the Qur'an, and the truth is the Messenger Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that will always remain. That is the unchangeable reality. That is the reality of the truth. And therefore, this is why I, I implore your own listeners to to adopt and to and to look at islam is is the fastest growing religion as you know which in england and in europe at the moment is not because of what people may be doing in the middle east or elsewhere it's because of the basic religion of islam agreeing with our natural disposition as human beings and i think that this is this is my invitation to your listeners and everyone to say look at islam judge according to islam don't judge anything according to what you hear in the media or what what what, what may be propaganda or may not be propaganda you know people change regimes are removed organizations come and go but islam remains and the divine law will remain we believe in all the prophets of god you know i'm a believer in jesus and moses and the final prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so you know these these are the uh, the eternal truths without getting into it in too much depth anjan without getting into it in too much depth i have another couple of questions for you um so is, is the quran more true than the bible then 
Well, the, the original uh, Bible, which we call the Injil, which was revealed to Jesus, is divine law. Uh, but uh, um, it was never preserved in this life. It's preserved in the divine tablet. It's preserved with God. But his own decision was not to preserve it in this life. Whereas the Quran was written down contemporaneously. And it's preserved and memorized in the hearts and minds of millions of Muslims around the world. And of course, it is the final message to mankind. So, you know, the, 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 the Injil undoubtedly is the truth. But where is it? It's not being preserved. There are many versions of the Bible today. So I would say to you is look in the Quran and you will find the truth. You will find the truth about Jesus, that he was a prophet of God, not the son of God. You'll find the truth about Moses and all of the prophets. And I think that people, if, they, if they're honest and they, and they approach it uh, objectively, I think many people will find that Islam is, is something for them and that they will embrace you it. You know what I think? I've thought this my entire life. These texts, whether it be the Torah, the Quran or the Bible, were written by men, men interpreting the word of God. Um, so ultimately, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to faith, right? Number one. But number two, and I don't share your faith. You, I don't understand why somebody like you doesn't worship. You go to the, to the mosque, I, I, I imagine, on Fridays. I imagine you yeah. pray five times a day. I, I have friends who are Muslims. And um, that must be a lovely thing to have belief in something. I, I, I don't share those beliefs. What I don't understand is why you just don't get on with it. This whole thing of an Islamic caliphate and Islam governing the world. I know that you know this is nonsense. Most Muslims, you, you, you ask a hundred Muslims around the UK today, and I'm in Manchester, Salford. The great, great majority of people who, who worship as you do, they don't believe what, what, what you say. They have no interest in it. They want to go about their business in private, worship privately, do what they do, make a living, look after their family. This whole stuff, I asked you some years ago. I kind of like you. I, I said this to you on the radio in Spain years ago. I said to you years ago, if I didn't know any better, I would imagine that, you've, that you yourself have worked for the UK intelligence agencies. I said this to you. I wasn't joking when I said it. You just laughed at me. But I wonder sometimes, this is not going to happen in the UK. The, the rule of Islam is not going to take over. Muslims don't want can it. I, go ahead. Go, I, go right ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, undoubtedly, the, the basic tenets of Islam are there to pray five times a day, to make pilgrimage to Makkah, the Hajj in your lifetime, to pay zakat, and so on. But the thing is, Islam is different to all of the other religions. And I think this is something which... Uh, the, the people in this country, the secular people and Christians need to take on board in particular. But Islam is, we always say, and it's an overused term, but it's a complete way of life, meaning it includes a ruling system and an economic system and a foreign policy. And it was implemented for hundreds of years. You know, you, know, you can look in your history in Spain for over 800 years where you used to live. There used to be the Sharia implemented. Christianity believes in give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God's. So, you know, you can still be a Christian and live under the Sharia as a law and order. And, and, and apart from that, there are many prophecies of the Messenger Muhammad, وسلم, he said that, you know, the Muslims will have authority around the whole world. So, you know, even ordinary Muslims, although they may not talk about it, and probably because they're not being asked questions about it, they do believe in the same thing. Otherwise, you cannot accept the main works of, uh, of the Hadith, like Bukhari and Muslim and the other books, which you may have heard about, yeah. which contain all of these narrations about, about the prophecies of, uh, you know, that, that the Messenger came with. So this, this is part of our belief. But you don't see it manifest on a daily basis. The difference being, of course, that I, I do have questions about this and I go on programs like yours. So ultimately, 
you know, th- these things are heard, but it doesn't mean that I'm talking about it on a daily basis. No. My daily life is like many other Muslims. We pray five times. We try to be the best father and son and brother that we can be, you know, and, uh, you know, daughter, wife and, uh, and, uh, and mother. And that is that is a daily life, you know, that, that we lead. But that doesn't mean we forget about Islam and we forget about the future of Islam. We forget our responsibility towards Muslims around the world. Maybe because I talk about foreign policy, maybe because I talk about liberating Muslim land, I talk about the, the pirate state of Israel, that you know, there's more attention and therefore other topics are open. Fair enough. You won't get an argument from me there. I will say, though, that you gave a black and white definition of Islam and you always do that, but you fail to take into consideration that religious texts have been interpreted in a thousand different ways for over a thousand years and that's the way it is. And and you say, you know, that these other Muslims who wouldn't agree with you, well, they're not doing it right. Well, they would say the same about you. Let, let me ask... Well, I'm, not quite, I'm, not, I'm not quite saying that, though, Richard. I mean, I agree with you that uh, there, are, there is a difference of opinion in some of the details of the jurisprudence. But the basics of Islam, the, 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 the basic pillars and, the, you know, the, the root of Islam is something that no one disagrees with. So we talk about what is known from Islam by necessity by everyone like the five pillars and other things. But there are some details, and you know, we all know that there's some difference of opinion. But th- there is a difference, uh, Richie, between a valid difference of opinion in some of the branches of Sharia. And uh, what you have is completely different versions of the Bible, because the Bible was never written down contemporaneously. So I don't think you can make that comparison. You know, I'm not saying that Muslims differ with me. What I'm saying is that they don't necessarily talk about these issues. But if I was to sit down with you and any of these Muslims and open the books of Hadith, they will see them there for themselves. You can't deny things that the messenger said about what would prevail as the day of judgment comes, that Muslims will have authority everywhere one day. So these are these, these, these things that, that every Muslim, practicing Muslim, must believe. Right, okay. We've got a couple of minutes left. I want to ask you a couple of quick questions. Anjam Chowdhury is our guest. Is this the first proper radio interview you've done since you came out of prison? Um, it may well be, actually, Richie, yes. Yeah. You won't get into trouble for this, will you? Um, I don't think. I hope not. Did we say anything um, illegal? No, well, well, illegal. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That's 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 a whole debate for another day. Um, I don't need to tell you who Anjam Chowdhury is. You know who he is. If you listen to this program over the years, you'll know who he is. He's been on with me before. We've got about six minutes left. Thanks for your time. I wanted to ask you this: as somebody with a Pakistani background, we we, we know that. I think your dad. Am I right in saying that? I think your dad was. was my, well, your both mom. my parents were from originally India because Pakistan didn't exist at the time. Of course. But yes, I mean, they're now obviously. Well, my father's passed away, but my mother obviously is uh, Pakistani, yes. Um, yes or no answer? Don't give me a long answer. Does your mum agree with you? Um, Be honest. All my family agrees with me, yes. Because we don't speak about anything but Islam and the truth of Islam. So, okay. you know, it, it's, not that, it's not that they agree with. Uh, some uh, particular interview that I did, but the, the basic tenets of Islam and what I propagate, you know, I think every practicing Muslim who looks in the divine text would agree. And by the way, you know, this kind of claim about MI5 and stuff like that, you, you know and I know is complete rubbish. I mean, if I was really working for MI5, why, why would they put me in prison and give me the harshest license conditions? I don't and, know. You know, continually raid me, you know, every other year. You know, I mean, this is this is complete nonsense. You know, I mean, am I doing that for show? <laughs> I mean, it, is, it doesn't make sense. People believe completely contradictory things, and uh, you know, and they're willing to accept those kind of uh, uh, consciousness. Well, the intelligence, the intelligence agencies have been known to plant people in certain positions at certain times. I'm not accusing you of it. I asked you years ago. Here's a question, a bit controversial. So late on in the conversation, there seems to be a problem with some young Pakistani men 
and their attitudes to young white women. Now, that's not me saying that. That's various Muslim leaders in different parts of the country. That's a former police detective called Maggie Oliver, who doesn't have a racist bone in her body, by the way. Is there a problem? Is there... And, and of course, you can't make a blanket statement about every mm-hmm. young Pakistani man. But are there yeah. some... Is there a cultural thing going on where some young lads, they see young white girls who might be in trouble, who might drink, who might smoke, they see them as fair game because they're kind of fallen. Is there some problem there that needs to be addressed? You know, I, I have zero uh, experience of this, I have to say, from, from, from the off. There, there's no one I've ever come across who, have, who has these kind of views. But on, on a kind of a wider level... I think they're living in this society and having that and being that some of the most prevalent uh, industries are things like pornography and alcohol and gambling. And these things lead on to uh, things like drugs and all of the other things that you see. People's inhibitions are, are, are thrown out of the window. And, and, and there is a lot of exploitation, sexual exploitation and other kinds within society. Undoubtedly, the youth that live and grow up in this country and are educated here, and educated many times, uh, you know, on the streets, will end up falling into these kind of uh, in, in these kind of traps, and that's why people need to approach them and bring them back into the fold of Islam and bring them back into, you know, uh, good uh, members of the Muslim community who, who who run their lives according to Sharia. And I think that will be much better. We met many people in in our lifetime who were part of kind of gang culture on estates, and alhamdulillah now, praise be to Allah, they're married, they have their own children, they're good, upright uh, uh, individuals within society. So, you know, I don't think it's, 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 it's isolated to, you know, Pakistani background youth. I think this is a problem, I think, within, within youth culture, sadly, not, in, not only in British uh, society, but in many places of the world. And that's why, you know, Muslims need to work that much harder to bring, uh, bring these people back into uh, into the mosques and, you know, away from that kind of culture. An absolutely final question with 90 seconds left. And I feel I, I feel I have the right to ask this in light of what's been, been in the press. And you are here and you always get a fair go on this programme, always. Uh, despite the fact we fundamentally disagree on many things, you always get plenty of time. Do you condemn utterly the action that happened to David Amos on Friday, regardless of who did it? Is that something that repulses you as it repulses me as a human being? There's no excuse for that. Would you agree with that? I would say the following, that Muslims in England live here under a covenant of security. In return for our life and wealth being protected, we are prohibited from targeting the life and the wealth of the people with whom we live. So I don't believe that this is uh, allowed in Islam. And, uh, you know, and, and, and that's where I would go. I think the more emotive we get and the more kind of, you know, condemnation, uh, you know, we, we kind of make, the more it gives the green light for people like Pretty Patan and others to bring in even more harsh measures against the Muslim community. And I'm not going to give anyone that opportunity. I think it's enough for me to say that I don't believe this is permissible in Islam. And, uh, you know, and therefore, you know, it's not someone who would be following my teachings. And, and no one who's ever been associated with me at the time they were associated has ever done anything like this. In fact, you know, if, if you see anyone who was associated, you find that many years after and after having publicly said that they did differ with me, they end up doing something like that. It was good to connect with you. It's been a long time. Um, we'll do it again, no doubt, in the near future. Yeah, I, um, I wish you well. Thanks for coming on, Anjam. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers. That was Anjam Chowdhury there. Uh, I suppose you'd call him a political activist these days. The, the media says he's a hate preacher. 
You make your own mind up. Um, we, we've read, that, that we've seen the videos over the years, the things he was involved in. Uh, the press have linked him to the murder of David Amos on Friday by suggesting that the man suspected of doing it um, was radicalised somehow by videos made by Anjam Chowdhury some years ago. This is the Richie Allen radio show for Monday, uh, the 18th of October, 20, what is it, 2021, I think it is. It's uh, great to be with you. Please comment on the website richieallen.co.uk. That's richieallen.co.uk. Comment live. You know how to do it now. The views and opinions expressed on The Richie Allen Show are those of the guests and the guests alone. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the host or other contributors. Yeah, it's coming up then for about two minutes to the top of the hour. Blind Joe Nashville, country singer-songwriter who was on The Voice. That's the American version of The Voice. Uh, Joe will be with us in about, ooh, in about ten minutes' time or thereabouts. Comes across as a lovely bloke. He's written an anti-lockdown song. I will play that in a moment, so I will. In a moment. Mark Boyersky is on the programme with me this week as well. He's on with me tomorrow. I have a raft of guests booked in as well. And I, I, as usual, I can't tell you who they are, but it's going to be busy. And I will be fitting a phone-in in this week. We will have a phone-in, I promise you. Scouts honour. Absolute Scouts honour. Yesterday, I did a 90-minute Sunday morning melodies because things went a bit belly-up technically as I was approaching 90 minutes. I was due to do the two hours. But what happened then was, because the studio was being worked on by Paul, I wasn't in a position to replay it. So a number of you sent me messages throughout the afternoon yesterday saying, oh, Richie, where's the repeat of the Melodies programme? A thousand apologies. If you heard it yesterday, well, you heard it. It's gone now. It'll never be repeated again. Things seem to be on the up and up here, studio-wise. Anyway, we spared no expense, as usual. We had to put some new software in and a brand new computer as well. But it's sounding lovely, I think, and uh, it's good. It feels good. It's like, being in a, it's like being in a car today that for a while has had a gearbox problem. Or for a while the clutch has been stuck. But now it's back. It's back. The car has been returned to me by my mechanic. And it feels just the way it did when I was zipping down the road in it kind of a thing, you know? Hi to Richard Kelly. He says he believed the Muslims will take over the world and impose their laws. That's what he says, Richard. I don't know, though, to be honest. I'm not sure. That's not to now take advantage of him now that he's gone. But I know, don't know what he really believes and what he doesn't really uh, believe. Alex says, divine law. And again, the website keeps going down, by the way. This is a traffic problem. It's because lots of people use the website during the programme to listen to it, obviously, and to, to comment. And I'm not talking about a few hundred or a few thousand. We're talking tens of thousands of people using the website all at the same time and then it crashes. It's being worked on. Please believe me. It's like somebody said to me the other day, they said, Richie, I know you don't believe all this airy-fairy stuff, but I might do. I might believe all of this airy-fairy stuff, given the chance. But a good friend of mine said, Mercury is in, Mercury is in retrograde, Richie. So that's why communication problems persist at the moment, because Mercury is in retrograde. Is that right? I never mentioned Colin Powell or as the Americans call him, 
Colin Powell. Never mentioned him during the monologue. Why, I don't know. Powell is dead. He's a former US Secretary of State. He's dead. They are saying that he died of COVID complications. The media reported this breathlessly today, as if Powell is that important. I suppose he will be important for the families of the many millions of people he helped maim or murder during the so-called Iraq War. COVID complications. He, as much as anybody else, uh, lied through his teeth about the, the, the Iraqis having weapons of mass destruction. And in later years, Colin Powell tried to rewrite history and claim that he tried to steer George W. Bush away from the war path. What a liar. He's dead now. And I take no pleasure in that because I'm not a hypocrite. He's dead. Is it hot where he is? I've no idea because I don't know... I don't know. I just don't know. I know you, some of you believe it. I know some of you believe in your Lord and heaven and hell. And I have the utmost respect for you because I don't know you're wrong. But I just don't know. But dreadful human being, he's not here anymore. And that's all there is to say about Colin or Colin Powell. Try and get the website back online and uh, read some of your comments because hundreds came in during my conversation with Anjam Chowdhury. Shall I run down, just before we get Blind Joe on, shall I run down the big stories of the day? Well, South End will be given city status in honour of the late MP Sir David Amos who was murdered on Friday. We've just been talking about that. That's in the news. Um... There are some in government who are concerned that the COVID booster jab, the rollout is a bit too slow. They have made a third COVID jab available for anybody over 50 who wishes to have it. However, apparently, there are, people are less keen to have the third jab, less keen than they were to have the first jab. Is it getting through to people, I wonder? Uh, there's also been a lot of talk about children having the jabs uh, in the media today. Uh, the COP26 climate change summit is upon us, nearly. It's the 18th today, so basically two weeks from yesterday, two weeks from yesterday, they will convene in Glasgow and talk about how to save the world. And they'll, they'll, they'll have all manner of suggestions. There will be uh, some, some very novel things suggested. Basically, turn the world into a, just the most miserable place imaginable, where life is almost unbearable. Yes, freeze us all to death in our homes in the winter. Uh, climate lockdowns, these are the things that will be discussed in Glasgow next, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, at the end of this month. Horrible stuff. Uh, everybody's excited about the HBO television series Succession, which is back for a third season with the great Brian Cox, kind of based on Rupert Murdoch, you would say. He's the media mogul who's trying to decide which of his three totally inept children he leaves his media empire to. It's very good, by the way. Seasons one and two were very, very good indeed. Season three has arrived. I'll be watching episode one later on with the oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendito. Lovely. And Greta Thunberg has been singing a Rick Astley song. Ah, go on for the crack. Go on, sure, for the crack. Go on. Do you want to hear a bit of it? Some singer. 
She's as mad as a box of frogs. Go on, love. We are no strangers to love. We are no strangers to love. You know the rules, and so do I. Do I? On, Greta, get stuck in. It's like Children of the Damned on steroids. She's got the moves. Ah, be Jesus, we've had enough of that. Right, let's have, let's have a real tune. Let's play. I'm looking forward to you hearing this. I think many of you have heard it already. It's a a track. It's a track from country sensation, Blind Joe from Nashville, man who appeared on The Voice and made headlines when he did so in 2015. It is called I Will Not Comply. I like it a lot. Let's hear it and then let's say hello to Joe. Fantastic stuff that What a tune that is Stonking stuff from Blind Joe Live from Nashville Blind Joe, welcome to the programme How are you? Richie, I'm fantastic How the heck are you, you big, beautiful, bald, truth Bringing son of a gun oh, no, I, can't, I can't top that, Joe I think we should just wrap it up here And we should just go We've, we've, we've just yeah. generated all the love That any two blokes could ever generate I mean it when I say the song is fantastic It's fantastic, Joe Congratulations. And it's gone gone mental, hasn't it? Let me just tell you, man, I I mean it when I say this. uh, You you are a legend, sir. I I know you're uh, you're very uh, humble and uh, you have a lot of humidity, humility, but uh, you are you're doing it right, man. You're fighting the good fight and uh, and you're doing it professionally with real radio, brother. I'm so appreciative of that. You have no idea how many podcasts I listen to where I'm like, what is going on here, man? What is the quality about? Yeah, oh, you're, P- production you're values. Production values. I remember some years ago. I know I've told this story too many times, but working with um, David Ike and his sons Gareth and Jamie in London, we were determined yeah. that the indie media should its its production values should be it should mirror the mainstream media, and if it does, 100%. more people will watch it. But listen to that song, Joe. That's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Straight out, it's absolutely brilliant. It's gone to say viral is an understatement. It's gone crazy, hasn't it? It, uh, it really has, man. You know, it's crazy. I, uh, I wrote it back uh, last October. Um, I don't know if you want to hear the story behind it. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, Damn right I okay. do. Sure. So, so uh, you know, everything was going on. We were locked down and uh, there was I was playing the honky tonks when we could. We were kind of in a, in a half lockdown, if you will. And uh, so when I could play, I would play. And at that time, uh, we had cops coming in and patrolling the honky tonks you know telling people they had to sit down and social distance and all this kind of thing and the more it happened the more mad i got so i wrote this song because i was posting stuff on social media and some uh some some guy messaged me and goes hey man he goes you know instead of posting on social media why don't you take action you're just like all these other people out here and i thought all right uh dude i almost almost said a bad word there all right dude i will and so uh so i wrote this song and uh started playing it whenever the cops would come in and start yelling at people at the honky tonks i'd just launch into it you know (laughs) and the reaction uh, yeah they uh the the people love it you know and of course the the police would never say anything to me because i'm blind and so i i think that that kind of detours them a little bit um and 
I was fortunate enough to, uh, I, I've got a, I'm, I'm originally from North Dakota and I've got a, uh, some people up there in the media that are really down with what I do. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to get that song on the news up in North Dakota and play an acoustic version of it. And I really thought, you know, thank God I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. And I think people are going to hear this and really understand where I'm coming from. And Richie, I could not have been more wrong, my friend. Uh, Do you know, have you taken some criticism for it now? That's, I, I yeah. don't want to be negative at all because, you yes. know, somebody like yourself, talented singer, songwriter, you write a brilliant song, it's catchy, the lyrics are funny, they're entertaining and they're serious as well. Yeah, obviously it rubs some people up the wrong way. What's happened? Absolutely. Well, I've, uh, you know, I've lost a, a couple of friends that just, uh, that think I'm some anti-vaxxer and you know anti-mask and oh my gosh you know you're you're a, a left-wing republican and a trump supporter and all this stuff and you know no matter how you try to tell them hey listen i'm a middle of the road guy i don't believe in the political paradigm i think it's all a distraction and these people are trying to take us over you know we're there they want to control us there's there's no question about it and uh they think you're crazy and uh and and then, you know, they say, well, the vaccines, you know, oh, my gosh, you, you, I can't believe you're not going to get the vaccine. And it's like when the only research you've done is watching CNN or Fox News, you really can't come at me and say, I can't believe you're not getting the vaccine. <laughs> so it's all, you know, it, it starts yeah. the arguments start. And and I try to just end them with kindness, you know, just, hey, look, dude, you know, we're friends. I love you. We can agree to disagree and yeah. still be friends. Uh, but this stuff has to stop. I mean, it's time, it's time to stand up. And, you know, even, even my dad had called me at one point and was like, Hey, you know, Joe, I think maybe, uh, maybe you should talk to somebody cause I'm worried about you. And it wasn't, he wasn't being mean. He no, wasn't being a dick or out anything. Of he was just saying like, yeah. listen, this is a lot. And if you really believe this stuff, you need to talk to somebody to get, get yourself help. And, uh, so how did you respond? That, um, that, how did you respond to dad then? How do you oh, well, approach answering <laughs> that? Yeah. I don't I don't know if I should say how I responded to that. I mean, (laughs) but, uh, you know, I was pretty much like, uh, you know, dad, don't, don't talk to me like that. I know what I'm talking about. And, uh, I, I basically just put everything I had left into the music because at the time that this happened, I was also, uh, cut from the honky tonk circuit that I was playing, even though they weren't having shows. And I, the reason was, is because I had gone to another bar to play a show and uh they didn't they didn't like that so i was at a point where i was just at the end of my rope didn't know if we were going to be able to stay out here anymore thought well i'm just going to move home and forget the dream and yeah and then uh you know i uh, i started playing a little bit more once the honky tonks and uh opened up a little bit and decided you know what we just got to go on on the road i got to get on the road see the people. So I booked a 13 week, 17,000 mile tour over the summer. Me and the wife jumped in the Nissan Rogue, hit the road Fantastic. in uh, the end of May. And uh, man, we just, we just went all over uh, up north is where we're from in the U.S. here. So North Dakota, North Minnesota, Dakota. Nebraska. And tell me South this, Dakota Joe, tell me this, yeah. when, when the venue started to close down, was that a real, was that a big blow to you? I mean, financially, Huge. was that devastating? Huge. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I didn't know what I was going to do. You know, we live day to day out here. I'm a, you know, people think that because I was on The Voice and I have 100,000 followers on TikTok that I'm some big deal or famous guy or something. And 
I mean, I'm a baby band, man. It's me and a guitar and my wife. I, I don't have a label. I don't have a manager. I, I've got nothing. It's just me and her. And that's, that's the way I like it. It's easier that way. And we're a great team. Uh, but yeah, so once the Honky Tonks closed, uh, I immediately had to pivot. And so I jumped on Facebook and started doing uh, social media, you know, lives. I called it Lockdown Live. And uh, we started doing that once or twice a week. And uh, people were very generous. And we were actually able to to stay out here. And I ended up getting some local news coverage, too, uh, because I was doing some uh, fundraisers for food banks on Facebook because, you know, I had time and I wasn't doing anything else. And so I figured, well, there's people that are way worse off than me. Let's, good for let's you. help them out, too. And so yeah. so they uh, they were really good to us. And people of Nashville were super, super good to us. And we were able to stay out here and and, and keep the dream alive, man. So I, I just can't thank everybody enough for that. It's it it seems, seems like when everything's about to, I feel like everything's about to go kaput. Something and nice Jesus happens. And the fans come come back, yeah, and, and something happens. It's, it's, it's great. It's got to be your positive outlook. Without knowing you well enough, uh, we've only just got to know one another, but it's yeah. got to be that positive outlook, that belief that it'll be better tomorrow. I've, I, I try well, to be like that myself. You know, I was raised to believe that, you know, if you trust in God and work your ass off, man, you're going to get somewhere. And uh, it's always seemed to work for me, so I just keep rolling with it and hope for the best, you know. Can I ask you this, Joe? By the way, folks, we've yeah. got Blind Joe on the line. We are going to get from Joe news as to where you can buy the song, and I want you to buy it, by the way. Uh, we got to, especially when the song is good, buy it. But uh, I want, I, I always like to ask um, my listeners to support the independent media. That's independent musicians, singers, songwriters as well. And when the song is so bloody good, and we'll play it again later on uh, before we close the programme. I so, sure appreciate that, Richard. Will you Thank stop? You so no, much, no, it, 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 I appreciate it. It, it, it. When I heard it, 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 I should have said this at the beginning of the programme what a wonderful uh, coincidence I was sent the song by a listener weeks ago he said Richie you got to listen to this and I'm, I'm a one man band just like Joe and I heard it and I thought fantastic I'll look up Joe now this is the reason I didn't play it because I'm going to look him up and, and get him on and then that went by the wayside like everything does but it was, it was, it was there in the back burner next thing I get an email from Joe fantastic you couldn't make it up Joe gets in touch yeah. and says uh, Richie I listened to the programme I'm like wow I've heard your song. The song is brilliant. So here you are, and I'm so thrilled you are here, Joe, live from Nashville. Now, was the COVID scam, or COVID is probably real, but the pandemic is a scam, was that what kind of kicked you into gear? Or did you know that things were generally not right before the whole COVID thing? Oh, Richie, I've, I've, I'm an old schooler at this stuff, man. My grandpa was talking about chemical cloud, chemtrails when I was like six years old. So wow, was he? I, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, he would, he would walk around with a painter's mask on and everything, man. He was, he was no BS. That's for sure. Your dad's dad. Was he your dad's yeah, dad? Yeah, my dad's dad. Yes, ah, but it didn't rub off on your dad then because your dad is. No. Yeah. No, no. But, uh, so, you know, I always, uh, I've always had a, a, kind of a distrust for the government and, and the establishment in general. And then uh, I, when I got a little older, you know, I started listening to people like James Corbett um, and uh, stuff, stuff like that. And, and uh, it's uh, the thing of it is, man, once you, once you start putting all this stuff together, it's hard to not see everything that's going on when, when you start, when you watch even like the mainstream media, you know, but, uh, but no, it, it this is like when, and then when nine 11, man, when nine 11, I was in Arkansas going to school when nine 11 hit. And when that happened and everything was just so sketchy around it, that's when I thought, I, I kind of thought that uh, the new world order thing was going to happen then. 
Did you right back then? Now, may I yeah, ask? I may, may I ask? Are, were are you blind from birth? Yes, sir. So I can I can tell you that story. I uh, I was born three months premature. So the doctors told my parents at the time that I had a ninety eight percent chance I was not going to make it, and if I did make it, I would be severely multi handicapped. Uh, and turns out I beat the odds. And uh, what I have is a condition called retinopathy of prematurity, basically a fancy way of saying detached retinas. Is that right? And at, at mm-hmm. the time, there, there wasn't any technology. They didn't have the technology to do anything about it. So you've basically right. been totally blind from birth. Yes, sir. You got it. Ah, oh, Joe, this is amazing. And how, who put a guitar in your hand? My grandpa, my grandpa, well... What a man this granddad, what a man this granddad is, or was, God love him. I I shouldn't say that, I should say I did, but I I coaxed him. When I was uh, three years old, he he played me a Hank Williams tape, and uh, that was it for me. And once I learned that Hank was also playing guitar, as well as singing, I had to get a guitar. And so my grandpa took, uh, he went out to Sears and Roebuck and grabbed like a cheap $20 guitar, and uh, he tuned it to an open chord, and glued wooden mailbox letters to a piece of metal that he screwed onto the neck of the guitar and showed me the notes as I slid the slide bar playing dobro style to an open chord, showed me what they feel like so that I could follow with my thumb as I was sliding the bar and learn the notes and the chords on my own. And once I got that figured out, we uh, that's when we started jamming together. He was a, he was a hell of an accordion player and just a, a wonderful, really vibrant dude. And so uh, we would we would sit down in my parents' basement and just rock for hours, man. Old Hank and Haggard and you know Jim Croce and Hank Thompson and all the all the old school you know country kind of stuff. And when uh, did Eddie you know that stuff? When did you know that you had a voice then? Because you you played the guitar and I want to talk more about that in a moment because it must have opened yeah. up your world completely when you had this yeah. guitar. But then who who was the first person to say, tell you what, Joe, you can sing, son. Was that your granddad again? Rem- it was. And I remember uh, the first time I knew that I might be able to actually be a country singer because I, I was little. I was still four or five at this time. And my grandpa's like, hey, I think you got something here. And I remember we went to some sort of Christmas program or something, and we were singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> and I somehow got a microphone in my hand, and I was singing, and people stopped and were like, wow, what the heck is this kid doing? You know. And I, I'll never forget that because I thought, hey, that was pretty cool. You know, Maybe, maybe I really could be a, a country singer when I grow up. And uh, you know, and, and of course, that's just you know, some, it's a little thing that you think when you're, when you're a child. But uh, I guess here we are. And here we, here, here we are. We're speaking to blind Joe. And Joe was born premature, three, uh, three months premature, my God. And he's, his mum was told the kid's going to have serious disabilities. Um, he, he obviously has or, or was born with a serious disability. The, the, the detached retinas that meant he was totally blind from, from birth. But it's obviously not stood uh, in, in, in your way, Joe. And and I, I no. wonder about that, you know, because we've obviously read about other musicians who were born blind. I mean, people will, will always be sympathetic with people who have a disability, but you were born blind. So as far as you're concerned, well, this is normal. Yeah, you got it, man. Exactly. And I and a lot of people say that, like, oh, I, I couldn't. I don't know how you do it, man. I couldn't manage if I was blind. Well, I don't know how you do it because I've never yeah. seen before. So it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know anything different. Um, and, and of course, I mean, just like anything else, man, there are times where you're like, you know, if I wasn't blind, I could do this or I could yeah. do that or blah, blah, blah. But 
but uh, it's uh, it's something that now now that I've gotten past my addictions and I'm two and a half years sober, it's been a lot easier to come to terms with my insecurities and my anger. And I have such a beautiful, wonderful wife that helps me out with everything. Her name is Leanne. Leanne. And she and, you know, she doesn't help me with like daily tasks. I do everything on my own. But I mean, just for support. And, and she's my best friend. She's just a, a great, great girl. And, and uh, you know, it's... Uh, Joe, there are women listening to this. They're crying. They're loving this. There are women listening to this. They're crying. You're just absolutely perfect, they're saying. But wow. And, and hi, Leanne, if you listen to this later on. Um, I, I, I hope you're, you're, you're well. We've got Blind Joe on the programme. He's written this fantastic song, I Will Not Comply. He wrote it last year. It's gone mental uh, this year. It's gone crazy. It's a wonderful track, brilliantly written and brilliantly Thank produced. You, Thank you so much. No, it is, Joe. I, I it's really great. And I'm, I'm thrilled you're on the, the programme. It's lovely to meet you. I'm thrilled to be here. I, I, I'm just now getting my uh, stomach nerves calmed down a little bit, man. I, I mean it when I say it, dude. You're a hero. You're a freaking hero, oh, brother. Stop, Joe. All, all we do is talk, really. It's, it's, nice, it's nice that we have skills. I'd love to do what you do. I'd love to be able to sing. I'd love to be able to play the guitar. Uh, I'd, I'd swap places with you in a heartbeat to be able to do hey, what man, you you're do. Never, never too old to start to brother. pick it never up. And do you know, just to the left of me is a gorgeous Fender acoustic guitar, and just to the left of that is a Fender Stratocaster. Well, I can grab it up. Man. I know, I know. I, I know you don't have time. You got no. Go I, I, do you know? I play. I can play a few chords and put a few chords together. If I was to practice, you know, I, I might be able to sing a couple of songs for for friends. But but you're a certifiable genius, and you went on. Uh, the voice and um, that went really well too, didn't you? You had incredible positivity after you were it on the was, voice. Oh man, it was yeah, it was fantastic. Um, when I went on the show, you know, I got got a four chair turn on my blind audition. I got to tell you this though, this will <laughs> this will make you laugh. So uh, <laughs> on the voice, people don't know this. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm going to because I don't really care what they're going to do to me. Um, in the blind auditions, when you're when the chairs turn, the four chairs turn, you hear the sound on TV when a chair turns. It goes right. But what you what you don't know is that in the blind audition and only the blind audition, the sounds aren't piped into the stage. So when I was doing my blind audition, I did not know if a chair turned until I was done with the song and they started talking to me. <laughs> is that right? And they all turned yeah. pretty early, didn't they? Yeah, well, there was uh, two, I hear that, I think one turned in the middle of the song, and then there was a couple right at the end there that just... Fantastic, Joe. But, uh, what an experience. Yeah, but it was, it was great, man. It was, it was really great. And everybody out there was so sweet. And uh, we just, uh, you know, I wish I would have known more about the business. And so I could have really hit social media and done well. But I mean, I wouldn't have traded for the world, man. We went on an uh, eight-week East Coast tour after that, that, I, that uh, a buddy of mine helped me book. And... Had a blast, man, going all around the country, and it was so so much fun. And that's what I live for—is the road, man, and the people. So and the music as well, folks. You can follow. Yeah. Go to blindjoe.com. It's a lovely website. You'll find out more about Joe. You'll fo- you'll find him on Twitter too. There's only one blind Joe, so you'll find him on Twitter. He's got a blue tick and everything. Got a blue tick. Proper celebrity. We've got on the program tonight. Blue tick. So go to find blind Joe on Twitter. Give him a follow. Say hello to him and uh, and to Leanne. And before we talk more about COVID in a moment. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm loving the 
you know, the journey. Now, you talked about Nashville and you were worried last year when the Honky Tonks closed up, you were worried that yes. you might have to give up the dream. Now, you see, I love this. I love the romance of this. I love the idea that from all across the country, North Dakota, where you come from, people go to Nashville because mm-hmm. they want to make it. We've, 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 you know, we've read all the stories over the years. We've seen the films of the greats who had nothing but went to Nashville and tried to make a career. Tell us about that dream, Joe. Well, I uh, I never really thought about going to Nashville until I decided I was going to sober up and really, uh, you know, really hit it hard because, you know, I knew there's a lot of talent out here. And I also knew that if I went out drinking, I was going to be here and doing the same thing. So I, uh, I cleaned up my act and the wife and I rolled out here and actually, you know, funny story, Richie, we, we drove out here in a Dodge Grand Caravan that was beat to hell after like two or three years of touring and literally pulled into the driveway of the apartment that we rented and the thing died. Fantastic. <laughs> like, parked in the driveway and boom, the thing died. We had to call a mechanic and literally get him to see if we could get it to the mechanic shop to, uh, well, we junked it. I mean, we had to buy a new car. We didn't have a choice, but yeah. Fantastic. Joe. But so, so it's it's um you know Nashville is is such a great city man it's so, it's full of just music and love and life and people from everywhere come here and so it's I'm just so fortunate to be able to be in a town with so much music and so much uh creativity. And a woman alongside you that you love, your oh, best pal, yeah. who's with you every step of the way, uh, Leanne. Yeah. Joe, we'll talk a little bit now, I suppose, about, you know, we've, we've talked about the song, we'll play it again later on, why you wrote the song. How do you feel in yourself, you're a young man with a load of talent, mm-hmm. um, writing beautiful songs, you, you know, you, you have ambition, you want to play music. How, how are you feeling about what's been going on? in the last 18 months. It's obviously, it was a big problem for you last year when the venue stopped, um, you know, putting on on gigs, you couldn't gig. Thank God you're back uh, doing it now. But uh, these are difficult times for people, aren't they? And we're all kind they of are. under a lot of pressure. And how are you dealing with it, you and Leanne? Well, I tell you, Richie, this past week, I have been the happiest I've been in 18 months. I, uh, you know, with all the people that I listen to, because I, I try to keep, tabs on really what's going on. So I listen to people like Ryan Christian and James Corbett, you, of course, and Jason Burmis and uh, Whitney Webb. And, uh, and so that kind of stuff can really bring you down, you know, even though it is current events and you want to stay abreast of the situation, it's, it's uh, not exactly happy news that you're hearing most of the time. And so it's been, it's been tough, but like I said, you know, we were able to go back up North this summer and do the three, three month tour that we did. And that helped a lot. That, that brought me back to being me and being excited about this stuff, the music and really getting it out there. And, and now to go on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and see these comments, man, over the past week of from Germany, France, Australia, Greece, Switzerland, I mean, America, everywhere. Everywhere. Of people just saying, "Hey, man, this is what we needed. This is what I wanted." You know, you're you're speaking my language. I mean, I I, I didn't know these people were out here, and here they are. And so, does it mean that yeah, my song is going to get some plays, and we're going to get somewhere with this stuff? Probably, but that's not what this song was written for, man. This song was written for us, everybody, humanity, to be able to stand up and say, "You know what? No, this is enough." You're not going to control us. You're not going to indoctrinate our children and take their lives away from them. And you're not going to 
you're not going to continue to shove these lies down our throat. Now, I, I believe that COVID is real. I had COVID back in January of, of uh, 2020, and Same it laid me. me out for five days. And thank God I had some uh, bovine colostrum and some iodine and, you know, the good stuff to get get it out of me. But it's – I'm just – so thankful that people are starting to see beyond this veil of obvious lies that that I think uh, there is a bit of a story, isn't there? The governments of the world have concocted. You know, this is yeah. lockstep, man. Every every government in the world is is putting out this build back better BS, and that's exactly what it is. It's BS. Build back better. That's right. Total lockstep. Blind Joe is uh, is our guest. So you feel in your bones that little bit of a stirring amongst the people that as this oh, is yeah. getting a bit more serious, they're starting to wonder a little bit more. And so they're looking in your direction. They're, they're, they're watching James Corbett. They're reading Whitney Webb. They're watching Spiro on YouTube. They might listen yes, to this program. Spiro yes. Shout yeah. out to him, man. What top a great man. dude. Top man Spiro, yeah. Yeah, it might be, might very well be listening to this. Uh, in fact, Joe, um, I, I wanted to, uh, you know, you you talk. So the song is brilliant. You've written this brilliant song. We we know Eric Clapton did something. We know Van Morrison did something. But yeah. is it fair to say that your contemporaries, um, they've been fairly silent, haven't they? I mean, protest. Yeah. Yeah. We we associate music at its best with with protest, with genuine protest against tyrannical governments and against apartheid and against very bad things. But um, my God, the music business has been quiet on what's been happening, hasn't it? Let me tell you what, Richie, you know what really gets to me? I'll tell you what really gets to me, man, is these punk rockers that I grew up with loving, going to their shows, you know, they are all, oh, screw the government, and oh man, the government sucks, and down with the establishment, down with the man. And these same guys that I've looked up to for so many years, I see them on Twitter now telling people to get vaccinated. That is the antithesis of punk rock. And it just, it really grinds my gears, man. It's shocking, isn't it? Dave Grohl. I saw Dave Grohl on TV last week or two before. Hang on a second, man. You know, I saw Dave Grohl with Nirvana um, when Nirvana were nobody. They were supporting Mm -hmm. Sonic Youth in Ireland and what I saw What a great show that must have been Well yeah I, I was kind of into Sonic Youth at the time I was appalled by Nirvana I just thought they were dreadful See this is what I know yeah. I know nothing Everybody else there was saying these kids are great man I Tell you what Richie these lads are going places I was laughing Joe I, I'm such an idiot <laughs> me I saw, All I saw was these guys who you couldn't see their faces They were screaming and jumping around and throwing instruments at one another which is all lovely and all that rock and roll but I just thought I I just don't see uh, the attraction which goes to show you should never ever listen to me so they they became fantastic but Dave Grohl pushing the vaccine give over man and the guys from I mean I guess you'd kind of expect it from the guys from the offspring but you know Fat Mike from No Effects I'd I knew he was, you know, pretty left, but I, I, I just, I mean, when you've got a song called Murder the Government, really? Yeah, yeah, and but you're pushing are, the man. jobs. Here we are, and, and, and look, I'm not saying that they, they don't believe what they're saying, and and maybe that's the way they feel, and that's fine. That, that that's They're entitled to that, but it just, it just surprised me so No, you've made it, what you've done there, Joe, is you've made a great point. They might very well believe it. But they should be pushing hard people's right not to have it. That's what they should be doing. Yeah, that's exactly my point, is they should be talking about these mandates and saying, no, you know what, this is BS. 
absolutely. Now you said something earlier on, which I wanted to kind of jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt you. You said that when you were singing I Will Not Comply in the Honky Tonks, the police gave you a a bit of a pass because because you're blind. And I was going to say, but we saw some awful footage recently of a paraplegic gentleman being dragged out of a car uh, by the police. Is it fair to say that in some parts of your great country, not all, but in some parts, the police are, well, they're gone a bit crazy, aren't they? Ah, you know, man, absolutely. And I think I think that 95% of police out there are wonderful people that are community driven and all they want to do is help their community out the best way they can and make sure everybody is is protected yeah but it's just like with with any gig man you get the five percent that are power hungry bastards that just they're psychos or sociopaths they don't give a damn about anybody but themselves and and you know that's everywhere um but yeah as and you know if you look at our our country especially the big cities la new york i mean it's uh I, th- I think a combination of, uh, you know, the, the, the power hungry people and the government, you know, what, what the state will allow them to do nowadays. You know what I mean? I mean, sometimes you got governors that are saying, Hey, no, you can't, you can't do your job. No, no, no. You know. Hey Joe, tell me this. Is there a real divide in your country in terms of, you know, it seems to me looking from the outside, that people in the south of the country might be more inclined not to believe the bullshit and to kind of fight back against the tyranny. You know, you think of southern people being more, you know, in tune with or more likely to embrace, you know, those elements of the Constitution that say that you have the right to free speech, that you have the right to bear arms if you feel like it. It seems to me that in the South, people seem to be a bit more likely to stand up for their rights than maybe people further north now is that just a generalization or is there something to it i would say the south are more vocal about it but uh i i think that i mean you know i i toured across the country here this summer and uh people people are pretty much of the same mindset man everybody's everybody's done everybody's pissed and uh i mean i played i will not comply for a bar in south dakota full of 21 year old college kids dude and i mean <laughs> It was I, it was it was a sound like I've never heard before. You didn't get bottled off then. They didn't bottle no. you off. No, they, they no. absolutely loved it. <laughs> they and loved they, it, and they absolutely love it down here too. So I think I think we're just coming to this time where where people are just done, you know. And thank God, man, you know what an eighteen months it's been, yeah. and I'm just so thankful to the good Lord for for giving me this song and for letting it be something that people can get get around. You know, the the healthcare workers, the nurses, and yeah. All these people, you know, my mother-in-law is a healthcare worker and they were mandating vaccinations in California. She quit her job and now she's Leanne's in mom. Leanne's mom has had to quit her job because of the mandate. She, she did, yeah. Ah, that's did. terrible, Joe. She must feel really, that must be a very stressful position to be in. You know, she's, uh, she, she is, uh, that's where Leanne gets it too. She's, she's a go-getter. So she doesn't, uh, she doesn't let things stress her out. She just kind of goes to the next gig and, and keeps on working. But uh, it, it, what stressed her out is wasn't more of quitting her job. It was more going to work and seeing the people at her work that were complying and that were, you know, masking up all the time and, and getting vaccinated. And, you know, she, uh, that she's, she just hurts her. She's a very soft, kind hearted person. It is tough, isn't it? When, 
you work with people and you like them and you want them to see what it is that you see and you have to be a bit careful. Sometimes it's like walking on eggshells. I mean, you talked about your dad earlier on, but I I understand that it's, it's very difficult. Can I ask you this? It's a personal one. You don't have to answer it. Where, where, Uh, where where does your faith come from? Does that go back to your childhood? Yeah. My grandpa was a huge, huge into Jesus and praying and that kind of thing. And so of course, when I was a kid, uh, that was a big, uh, a big part of growing up. And then my mom brought us to church every week and, uh, and stuff. So yeah, you know, I, I was raised Catholic and, and, uh, it was always, um, you know, it wasn't, we were never like, uh, big pray at home people or, you know, reading the Bible together or anything like that. But we always went to church and we always had a very firm, uh, foot in the, uh, in the faith. And, uh, actually I really went, uh, went out of my faith, uh, in my twenties, thirties, you know, with alcohol and everything. And that was a, a, a big thing for me. But, uh, when I finally decided to stop, uh, Jesus was the reason it happened. You know, I, I remember being, uh, I was drinking a bottle of Jack and I woke up in the middle of the night and, uh, went in the bathroom, started throwing up, grabbed the bottle off the counter started chugging because I didn't want to throw up because I didn't want to lose the alcohol. And, uh, at the, at the end end of the chug and I, I just thought to myself, what, what are you doing, man? Like what, what is going on? And, uh, I sat down on the bathroom floor and I just prayed. And, uh, next thing I know, I'm sitting in the bathtub bawling my eyes out, man. And, and after that, uh, I really put forth an effort and I started writing some gospel tunes and just getting right with God and, you got an and, answer, uh, Joe. You you prayed yeah. and, and you 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 felt you got an answer. Yeah, and, and that's not yeah. that's not the first time that's happened for me. Uh, well, I mean, it was in in this stage of my life, anyways. But then now that I've been praying and been reading the Bible every day and just kind of sticking with it, uh, yeah, I that's mean, lovely. I, I could tell you other stories too that that just blow your mind. Well, look at look at where we are, man. Right look now where, we're sitting here talking. And that was because it? you know I. I I didn't think you were going to answer when I emailed. I thought this dude gets a hundred thousand emails a day. He's going to be like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Not at all. I, 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 I but, you I, know, I, yeah, we we do get quite a few emails, but uh, I do I do try and, and read as many as, as I can. Thank God I, I read yours. I, I I would have gotten in touch with you anyway. Blind Joe is our guest, uh, country singing sensation from Nashville with a fantastic song called uh, "I Will Not Comply." Before uh, I wrap up this evening, I'm going to play it again. It's worth playing again, and I'll play it again on the program in the coming days. Uh, so I will. But before I forget, Joe, I have another question yeah. for you. Um, sure. Um, did was it? Did you go to a meeting then? Well, I uh, I actually went to my first AA meeting when I was probably eighteen, nineteen, because I knew once the the once I started drinking, I knew wh- what was happening. Um, and AA never really uh, did much for me. Now that's not to discredit AA. I know a lot of people, and I have a lot of friends that are in AA, and they work the program, and it's been wonderful for them. But for me, it just it just never clicked, and I don't know why or or what it was, and so I really, uh, I kept drinking and I kept, you know, drugging and that I would put myself in treatment from time to time to see if maybe this would be the time that something would hit me and I would get over this stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, after inpatient and outpatient, and I don't even know how many times I went to treatment, three or four or five, I'm not sure, but, uh, finally really just took prayer for me, you know, when you were ready and really, yeah, when, yeah, you were ready. when I was ready and, and, uh, I mean, and, and I don't even know that I was ready, Richie, to be honest with you, because I never, 
I mean, I, I must have been deep down, but I was in such a way, man, that there was really no, I'm surprised I saved myself because, you know, I was to the point where I would wake up and if I didn't have a drink, you know, I would shake and shake. I couldn't smoke a cigarette. You were in I mean, a bad way. You were oh, yeah. in a bad I was, way. I was very, very bad. So you might have been on the verge of exiting stage left then, really, when you oh, did yeah. when you did pray, oh. Joe. Yeah, I've I've been been there a couple times, my friend. But for for some reason, the good Lord keeps bringing me back, and I, I really hope it's to write songs like I will not comply <laughs> and to inspire people. Because you know, I just said to my friend Jean Ann, who's listening to this with 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 a big smile on her face listening to you it's a tonic you being on the program today i i gave up believing in coincidences i've had to learn you know yeah. to 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 embrace the fact that there is something else going on something cosmic or something spiritual that i'm not aware of so i totally embrace that you're 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 here today for a reason and one and of those I, can i just yes I jump right in go real ahead quick I just want to say, uh, you know, I'm not here to convert anybody to believing in Jesus or anything like that. I mean, Jesus is who, what I believe in. I believe him to be our Lord and Savior. But listen, people, I don't care who you believe in, what what God you believe in. It doesn't matter. We're at a point right now where things are getting so crazy in this world that whoever you believe in, please pray. Pray hard. Pray long. Get your family together. Start a group on Facebook whatever you got to do, man, because these people, they believe what they're doing is right. And their God, if you can call him that, they, you know, they believe it. They believe in it, in the spirituality of it. And yeah. so we need to come, I believe we need to combat that with spirituality of our own. Amen to that, Joe. I, I, I've got to ask you, it, it is crazy. You know, you mentioned Leanne's mother. Yeah. The jobs, the jobs, the jobs. I'm sure at some stage you were offered a job. There's all that pressure. We know that the jobs are not proper vaccines. We know that. We yeah. know that they're dangerous. We know all of this. So again, not to belabor the point, not to be boring. I don't want to bore you. But oh, no, it, it, is, the, is your faith helpful in dealing with all of that daily insanity, that crazy news, the pushing of the jabs, you know, on the children, all these horrible things, your faith then must be important in helping you to process all of that lunacy that we, that we hear every day. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. My, my faith and my wife, a hundred percent Leanne, because she's the one that's helped me to pray and helped me to really, you know, try to get control of these insecurities and the, and the anger that I have toward all this stuff. And, and really try to put it into a more positive light so that I can help people rather than just yelling at them and preaching to them, you know, because I have a tendency to do that. Like, don't you understand? This yeah. is what's going on, you know? Yeah. We've all and, done that uh, and it doesn't work. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And and so, yeah, I mean, you know, Jesus Jesus and Leanne, uh, which is kind of why I uh, wrote, wrote a song that I wrote called Light of Her Love, which if you go to blindjoe.com there, you can uh, check that out. I think it's right right up there next to I Will Not Comply, but it's kind of our our story uh, in a nutshell. Blindjoe.com, folks, get on there and do follow Joe on, on, on Twitter. Look, we'll, we'll wrap it up in two or three minutes and then I'll play the song before the end of the programme. I will, of course, invite you back on for a chat in the future because there are plenty of stories in there that you hinted oh, yeah. at that I'd love to... I could tell you about the dirt bike my grandpa bought me when I was 12 years old that I... Uh, 
mapped out my 12 acre farm that my parents had very slowly all summer long and managed to rip around. Hang on, hang on, hang on a second. Five years. This, this is, this is kind of Mr. Miyagi type stuff, like where you put a blind, <laughs> you put a blindfold on Daniel's son and he can do stuff. Hang on a second. They got you a trail bike and you learned with your mind, which are obviously massive brain to map out the, the, the course so that you could go like a lunatic on the, on the trail bike. I did. I did. Yeah. My, uh, my grandpa was, uh, he had brought uh, like a little moped over and I was just entranced enthralled with this thing. And so I asked him, Hey, can you get me a dirt bike? And he goes, well, I don't know. We better talk to your dad. So (laughs) talk to my dad and my dad, yeah, you know, as long as you don't get him something that's going 120 miles an hour around here, I don't care, whatever. Cause my, my dad's awesome, you know? So, so grandpa got me a little Honda dirt bike that did like 60 and, uh, I would, uh, yeah, I would just ride really slow. We, we, we had like dirt, uh, tractor trails and dirt roads and stuff like that around the farm. And so I would just kind of put the tires in the tractor trail and go as far as I could until I hit a rut. Jesus. Whatever, and, uh, Joe, I don't want to yeah, blast you. Yeah. I shouldn't blast him. I'm stunned at this. I, I'm, I'm amazed that Child Protective Services didn't call Joe's dad and say, <laughs> we listen, what's going on? We're, we're hearing rumours that the young lad who's blind is zipping around the farm on, on, on a trail bike. That's wonderful. <laughs> they were determined that you would experience this stuff, Joe. Yeah, and my dad's a police officer, so... <laughs> Fantastic. Hence, hence the proper defence of the police earlier on when I, yes. when I kind of generalised there about all the police. But your, you, but your he dad just, is, re- just retired after thirty-seven years. But so he was, but he was old school, wasn't he? Old school, brother. Yeah, right up. tried and true, man. Loves his, loves his community, loves his family. Loves knew his everybody. Family. He knew everybody by name. And oh, yeah. he would turn 100%. a blind eye to certain things that he should turn a blind eye to, and he wouldn't come down with a heavy fist. See, these were when I, when I grew up in Ballybeg in Waterford, we we regularly met policemen and women on the beat that knew everybody. This is all gone now. This is the way it mm-hmm. used to be, and they they knew what was going on. They knew the neighbourhood, and, yeah. um, and and this that's is, proper police. This is this is police militarization, is what this is now. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? This is this is getting us prepped for martial law. And does your dad have an opinion on that, Joe? You know, he, he, uh, he loves America and he just, he just wants to see things just calm down and, and, and get back to the values, the core values that this yeah. country was founded on, you know? He sounds like a lovely man. You've, you've given him an, yes. an amazing tribute there. So you have with the, with the trail bike. What a story that is. I'll be laughing at that tonight when I'm getting into bed. <laughs> I'll be laughing, thinking yeah. of the young kid on the bike blind and, uh, just going for it. And do you remember being yeah. terrified or just exhilarated or both? No, loved it. Loved it, man. I, I, when I, first time I sat on that seat and turned that throttle and I went, I was like, oh, here we go. Fantastic. Uh, Joe, this is just absolutely great. Tell our listeners where they can, uh, I mean, I, I will say blindjoe.com all day long, but they will be Thank picking you, up their copy of I Will Comply and they should buy your album too. Folks, uh, you're listening to, to Blind Joe. Where can they get the song and more of your music? It's over at blindjoe.com right now. If you just click, go there, it's right on the main page. Um, and uh, I'm also on all the other social media. But the big news, Richie, Freedom Friday, this Friday. I want to start a trending hashtag if we can. Hashtag Freedom Friday at midnight. I will not comply. We'll hit streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Deezer, Tidal, all that stuff. And uh, I couldn't be more excited about that, man. So I just want to tell everybody out there, if you've heard the song and you've commented or sent me an email or a message, I read them all. I try to respond. Thank you so, so, so much 
for all the love and support with this song. And uh, I just stay vigilant, stay safe. God bless you all. And please, guys, pray, 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 because they're praying to their God. We need to pray to ours and get this shit back on track. Do you know what? It's a tonic, Joe. It's got nothing to do with your disability. It has nothing to do with that. It's a tonic to be listening to you tonight talking about your grandfather, your father, Leanne, the love you have for your family, your faith, your humility in talking about your alcohol issues. I've had my own, you know, I've, I've not done what you've done, but I, I've lent on it and, and, and do lean on hey, it from Richie, time to time, you know? So- Something about alcohol, too. I remember you were talking about it a couple of days ago. And uh, what I wanted to tell you is, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy named Dr. Jeff McCombs. No. But he has a, he, uh, this is not a, a sponsorship or anything. Oh, like go that. ahead. I, I'm not, I'm not affiliated with him, but he has a, a cleanse called the Candida Plan at candidaplan.com. Now, it's a very intense uh, cleanse, but I'm a month and a half into it. And I have never felt better. And that's and I've known about this cleanse for 10 years, but that's the reason I haven't done it. It's because it's so intense. But if you are struggling with alcohol, you need to get the yeast out of your system. And you probably have a lot of fungal yeast in your system that can be turned back into candida regular yeast. I won't go into anymore, but if you go to candidaplan.com, if you're suffering from alcohol and you really want to put your whole self into something that will help you, that's what this helped is, me. Are, are you in touch with this gentleman? Because he'd make a good guest, I, I reckon, for us. Um, I, I have, I'm in touch with their customer service department. There's a lady there that's super nice, but I have not spoken yeah, to him I'm, directly. I, I think I'll reach out to him on, on your behalf and get him on the programme. Do, do, yeah, do me a big favour. Give our best to Leanne, obviously. I will. And to your dad, uh, of course. Uh, who, Despite your differences on the jabs and on, on, on all that, you, you, you love him, he loves you. He'll always be yes. your dad. And you, you spoke so respectfully about him. It was uh, lovely to hear. Blindjoe.com. That's the website. Go and pick up the the track. I will not comply. It's wonderful. I'm going to play it in a couple of minutes to close out the program and listen to Joe's other music there as well and support unique talents like uh, Joe. Uh, final word to you, uh, Joe. Just thanks for coming on. And uh, by God, I will, of course, be inviting you back on before uh, the year is out to do another hour with me when we can talk about these issues and the many adventures of young Joe <laughs> because it, yeah, sounds, yeah. it sounds like an amazing life for somebody who's still uh, so young. So final word to you and thanks for gracing the programme with your presence today. Cheers, Joe. Thank you, brother. God bless you, Richie. And thank you for everything you do. I know I said it before, but you're a true legend, man. I appreciate your real radio love and and attention to detail. And I just want to say again, thank you, everybody, so much for all the love on this song. God bless you all. And stay smiling, man. I know that we're uh, we're going through some stuff right now, but uh, it's nothing. A little prayer and a little perseverance can't get us through. So blindjoe.com if you want to know more about me and what I'm doing and uh, stay awesome everybody God bless you I love you Thanks Joe Bye for now The lovely Blind Joe What a gentleman What a fantastic talent he is too uh, Joining us live from Nashville uh, today where he's uh, touring uh, with his wife Leanne who sounds like a wonderful lady as well It's coming up for about six minutes to the top of the hour Sorry about the comments uh, The comment line dropped out at two or three times during the programme and I'm trying to open it now so I can just read a couple of quick comments there uh, from you uh, Richard says what an uplifting and entertaining guest Blind Joe is thanks for the introduction to his great song I Will Not Comply says Richard which I was delighted to buy from the website blindjoe.com I'm now following him following him on Twitter at the Blind Joe. that's the one 
at the Blind Joe. Thanks for that, Richard. Hi to Charlie Burton, who just bought the song. Uh, great guest to BBG. He says he was. He was fantastic, wasn't he? Uh, brilliant. Hi to John Spargo, who says, Hi, Richie. James Corbett, would you have James on the programme? I've chatted with James once or twice on Skype. Uh, the issue with James is he's in... He's in Japan, isn't he? And getting him on live is a problem, and pre-recording, pre-recording him is a problem as well. So uh, I admire uh, James Corbett, by the way, but um, it's not it's not ideal for him to come on. Look, he's very well known, James. And if you want to know what James is saying and what he's doing, just go and find him online. Just look for James Corbett. It might happen in the future. You never know. Hi to Joan, who says, what a beautiful soul blind Joe is. I need him to talk to my grown-up children, says Joan. Yeah, absolutely right. Hi to Patrick, who says, a great chap blind Joe is, at the blind Joe on Twitter. Terrific right on the money tune as well. A man with oodles of character and goodness, says Patrick. Thank you, Patrick. He says, well done for getting him on. I was given the, the, the song weeks ago and I thought, great, great song, lovely. Right, get him. See, I do everything. I do everything. Chief, cook, bottle washer. I produce the programme, I edit it, I present it. But you know what I also do? I clean the studio. I, I do all of that. So it was one of those. And then I saw an email from him and I thought, that rings a bell. Uh, he reached out to me, which was wonderful, just before I reached out to him. Fantastic. Hi to Tim in Brazil. How you doing, Tim? Thanks for the kind words. David Keane says, wow, he's talking brilliantly. I'm in that stage now. I needed to hear this, says David. That's why, David, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. I really don't. I, 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 I will be murdered by the oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendo for saying that, because she'll call me a hypocrite. But no, I think things are happening now at just the right time. I needed to listen to Blind Joe today myself and I've heard him. I to Andre who says, interesting interview with Blind Joe. Pleased the young people liked his song. Interesting that here in Falmouth, Cornwall, where I live, it's the youth and the 20-somethings that are the most masked, sadly. More so, I think, than the elderly, says Andre. I to Caroline Feely, who love listening to Blind Joe as well. And to everybody else uh, who's sent messages there about Blind Joe, uh, the, uh, the singer-songwriter from North Dakota, who went to Nashville following uh, his uh, musical dream and he's there at the moment playing in the honky tonks with the assistance of uh, his lovely wife Leanne that's about it from me Mark Boyerski speaking of uplifting souls by the way will be with me tomorrow in the second hour of the programme there is another guest booked in for tomorrow it, it escapes me right now who that is I just want to give another big shout out by the way to the one and only Paul Ripley who is a wonderful man I came up to Manchester from London back in 2014 and to, to, to do the programme. And I know you know this already, so I won't tell you what I've told you a thousand times. But Paul Ripley, was an ama- he was an angel. To use the Mark Boyersky vernacular, he was an angel. And he was there from day one, and he's been there every day since then with a bit of technical expertise when I need it. And um, he saved me and you, by the way, thousands of pounds over the years because to hire... Uh, Paul is a radio standard engineer. He really is. To hire somebody like Paul would cost you thousands of pounds. Uh, and he does it because he loves the Richie Allen show and he loves the independent media. Paul Ripley is a star and I love him greatly. Thank you, Paul, for everything you do for me and for everybody else. That's about it then, really. Uh, I enjoyed my chat with Anjam Chowdhury as well. Thanks to Anjam for coming on. He'll be back on again in the future. No doubt we'll butt heads 
about the Middle East and what's really going on there and who's really responsible for it. Thanks to him. It was nice to reconnect with him. I'm sure there'll be some criticism for that uh, from the media maybe a bit later on. Who cares? And once again, thanks to Blind Joe. Do go to blindjoe.com. That's his website. Buy the song. Check out his music and check out that lovely song that he wrote for his Mrs. Leanne. In fact, I'll get that song and I'll play it on the programme, if not tomorrow, certainly on Wednesday. Closing out the programme then with Blind Joe's I Will Not Comply. Look after yourselves and one another and thanks for listening to the programme today. (laughs) 